Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Does Television, brought to you by our friends at Ditchwitch. Bass Does Television is on Wild TV in Canada and the Versus Network through January and June of 2008. Outdoors Dan here, my co-host, good friend of mine, Aaron Martin, is right alongside. And Aaron, this week we're going to be checking in with Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Political season, you know, we want to encourage everybody to get out there and vote. No, I'm, I'm actually just fun. Uh, Larry, is that FLW or FWL? FLW, right? Yeah, FLW, there you go. You know, I can't read your writing sometimes. FLW, which stands for? Forrest L. Wood. Really? Hey, really. I'm really proud of you that you knew that. I, well, and we're going to be talking with the man from the FLW tour, Larry Nixon. You know, I'm, I don't think I've heard from Larry in a while. What's he been up to? Larry is a fishing machine, man, I can tell you that. And uh, he's the guy that just kind of goes about his business and, and catches fish. It's so exciting to have him in, as part of this because he's going to shed some light on a, a lot of things. Yeah, and he's, he is really, really a great guy, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Then we're going to go into an Inside Edge segment with Mike Webb for another great installment there. And... I don't know, Aaron. I'm ready to go. You ready? Let's do it. It's all right here for you on the edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son of a gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay after Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Outdoors Dan here along with my uh, good friend and co-host and uh, also the host, the hostess with the mostest of Bass Edge, Aaron Martin. A lot of things going on. We need to get right to this. Uh, the e- uh, newsletter sign-up is going on right now, and folks, that's absolutely free of charge. Aaron, tell them why they need to do that. Well, you know, you know, it's all exclusive uh, material to the e-newsletter, and uh, if you're not signed up, you're kind of missing out on a uh, part of Bass Edge, so we want to make sure that we keep you up to date there. So uh, just log on right there at the top, right on Bass Edge homepage, and uh, enter in your information. The other thing that's critical on that is make sure that you put, uh, you know, the city, uh, and shipping information because we will use that information as we draw from prizes once that's sent in uh, to be able to send and get that information out to you. Yeah, and especially if you like the tournament fish, if, whether if you're in the front or the back of the boat, there's always a lot of uh, good information that comes in out there weekly. And you know what? You, you want to make sure that you're signed up so you can get those updates. So please do that, BassEdge.com. Absolutely free. I promise you nobody's going to bug you. That's right. Season 2 kicks off throughout Canada on Wild TV starting in July, and we're going to have another uh, network here in a couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. We always like hearing from you, and uh, I'll just tell you right now, it's just for men for Aaron. That's all I need. <laughs> hey, you must uh-huh. be talking about the widgets. Yeah, the widgets. You, you want to tell them about the widgets? No, I'll let you tell them about the widgets this time. All right, yeah. here's the deal. New Bass Edge widgets. Now, what is a widget? I'm glad you asked. A widget is a free download. You can go to BassEdge.com, download the software, it's absolutely free of charge, and what this does is it lets you go either on your desktop or your laptop, and it just lets you download stuff without using a multi-browser system. It takes up less storage and memory and time, and it's absolutely free. So we'll, And you can do like a, like a forecast, a five-day forecast. You can watch Aaron's hair grow. There you uh, go. You can do the topography. Uh, you're going to have lake topography on this? Probably not right off the bat, but there's, it's definitely going to keep uh, everybody up to date. Anytime there's any new content, whether it be stories, uh, videos, uh, you know, podcasts that are up to date, it's automatically going to pop up and uh, just tell you when and where that information can be found. 
see, that's really neat. And then also, Season 1 and 2 DVDs are now shipping. Uh, they Everybody lowered the price, you know, with the price of gas, the price of Aaron's hair gel. It, the economy's hurt right now. And, you know, petroleum, Aaron, I wish you'd lay off that stuff. Because, man, that's, that's five or six more gallons per person in the United States. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, folks? His hair's really not. I just have nothing else to tease him about. <laughs> um, we, they were, everybody at Bass Edge wanted to pass this along to you because we felt it was the right thing to do. So 1995. It's hard to beat that anywhere else as far as quality of fishing uh, information that you're going to get. So that is available right now. They're shipping now. And don't forget, the uh, Bass Edge widgets are free. So a lot of stuff there to go uh, check out Bass Edge for. There you go. I'm anxious to get to Larry because I tell you what, I haven't got to talk to him in a long time, and uh, he promised that it was going to be good. Well, you know what, and we were ha- I was having a little fun with him in the opening, but Larry Nixon is one of the best fishing pros in the United States. Just a super, super nice guy. The guy's a machine, and I usually don't. I usually say when I talk about a machine, I usually reserve that for people like Gary Klein. I mean, the, the guy's just a spot-on machine, and Larry is definitely in that category. So if you're ready, let's go and uh, see what Larry's up to. Let's do it. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and joining us today is long-term veteran FLW pro angler Larry Nixon. Larry, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Boy, I'm glad I could be here. Well, you you know, Larry, just to kind of uh, jump into it, you know, the season's not even close to being over with, but you've already wrapped up a uh, championship position for the FLW Cup. That's true, yeah. I qualified down at Lake Amistad in the FLW Series by knocking off my uh, Western competitor out there, so I've had an easy year. You know, I've been qualified since February, and it feels pretty good. You know, and talking on that just for a little bit, how much pressure does that take off of of an angler, a seasoned angler like yourself, you know, you've been to the dance several times. Does that make you fish any different or allow you to fish any different now for the remainder of the season, knowing that you have that wrapped up? It really does. You're not fishing for points. You're more or less fishing for money. And, uh, you know, if you can have a good high finishes, naturally you'll have qualified for the FLW championship anyway. But it just makes it kind of nice knowing that you're already there. And if you have a bad tournament, it's no big deal. So you can just go fish the way you like to fish and, uh, you know, hunt for the kind of fish you want to fish for rather than just scratching out enough to get a few points. Well, and I'm sure, you know, going into each uh, season, you probably have kind of a, of a checklist that you go through each tournament. You know, one is obviously positioning yourself to have a finish. But that championship always has to be kind of the forefront of your mind every decision that you make. Yes, that is the most important thing because, you know, it's a really big tournament. If, you, if you're if you a ranger boat owner and you win, you win a million dollars. And, uh, you know, I run Stratus, but 
still it's a five hundred thousand dollar payoff to me, and and I've never won five hundred thousand in one tournament, so that'd be sweet. Yeah, well, you know, another question because obviously you're traveling uh, quite extensively through the multiple tournaments that you are fishing. Has all this water that's been coming in, you know, it seems like it's pretty widespread across the country. Has that uh, altered or changed the the conditions that are out there for you as a as a competing angler? Yes, it's made fishing much different this year in some of the lakes that we've been to. At, uh, at Beaver Lake, I was actually catching them on a spinnerbait. You know, I finished about 14th or 16th in that event, uh, right there, you know, close to the top 10, and uh, kind of fun going out there and throwing a spinnerbait <laughs> in. And same thing at Lake Fork. I went down there to fish the PAA tournament, and I caught them on a spinnerbait down there. The water was stained and dingy and high, and, you know, that was uh, that was a lot of fun getting back to the old tricks. Sure, and you know, anytime you can kind of bring in the the power fishing techniques and maybe get away from a, a little bit more of a, some of the finesse techniques or uh, you know things that you got to think a little bit harder about or or finesse style, I'm sure that that feels good to get back to the basics. Yes, it does. You know, it's amazing that for the last five or six years we just haven't had much rain and we haven't had any stained water really in any of the lakes and. Uh, when you when you get a lake that comes down, the whole lake gets dirty. Oh, it changes the whole atmosphere, and it, it just makes it a lot of fun. You know, and and speaking of getting back to the basics, Larry, you know, very aware, and I think I'm sure most of us are that one of the things that you like to do or target bass with is going to be with a worm. And obviously, you know, that's a, a pretty broad category that we're trying to tackle here in the time that we have. But you know, perhaps you could walk us through, you know, maybe starting us out when. Do you like to to throw a plastic worm? Well, there's no doubt, you know, worm fishing has always played a big part in my competition and in, and in my fun fishing, too, because it's fun. You don't have to work hard with a plastic worm. You just rig one up Texas style and put it on a 3 16th or a quarter ounce weight and some 12 or 14 pound test fluorocarbon line and go out there and worm fish. And, uh, you know, the last several years, there's been a lot of changes in worm fishing. And it, we, we've come a big circle. Back in the 60s and 70s, we threw the old cream scoundrel, and uh, which was a little old five and a half inch straight tail worm, just hard as a brick. And, and now we all throw shaky worms. And, uh, you know, they're back to the basics, the old straight tail worm. And it probably accounts for, I'm going to say, probably 80 to 90 percent of the bass that I catch on a plastic worm. It comes on a straight tail worm. So that that makes it a little easier in worm selection. If you fish a lot of vegetation now and a lot of grass and weeds, you, you want to go back to the ribbon tail type worm. If, if they're schooled up on that outside edge, take that ribbon tail off and put you a straight tail on there because the, the cleaner the bottom and the more water, you know, the less cover you have. Uh, usually it's a, it's, a, it's a good chance that you're going to catch them better on a straight tail worm. Is that just because of the percussion waves in that that it, that it puts off, or just because they're actually able to see it a little bit better and don't have to kind of dodge around the cover? Actually, I think it's because it's, it's more erratic. A straight tail worm, if you ever watch one in the water when you rig it up Texas style, especially if you peg it, it doesn't fall in a straight line where a ribbon tail or a curl tail always falls in a straight line because you've got a rudder on it. Right. And when you hop it up off the bottom, a straight tail worm, when you, when you lift it up off the bottom, it goes from side to side. And then when you kill it to let it free fall back to the bottom, you get that erratic action. And I think that's what triggers a lot of strikes. And uh, that's why you, you wind up catching more fish, especially in open water, uh, on that type of worm. You know, if you've got a lot of cover, a lot of wood cover, a lot of stumps, then you want to go to the old gator tail style. Berkeley's got one called a flipping tail. It's got a big rudder on it. 
it moves a lot of water, and if you've got slightly stained or off-colored water and you've got a lot of good wood cover, then that's the, that's the worm of choice for that type of situation. So in comparing, let's say, the ribbon tail compared to the straight tail, are you still going to adopt kind of your, your earlier statement using the 3 16 to the quarter ounce on the 14-pound the fluorocarbon line? Do you yes. rig those the same way? Yes, pretty much. But now, remember here, anytime you've got a rudder, you've got a, you've got a worm that's got a curl tail that's going to fall slower. So naturally, you can move up in weight size then and still get the same speed of fall. And, and speed of fall is real critical in bass fishing because there's a lot of times if it falls real fast, they can't see it. In cold water, they won't move for it because it falls real fast. So you slow it down with the weight size. And it's the exact same thing is true the warmer the water. The faster you want it to fall and the clearer the water, the faster you want it to fall because then it gives an impression of trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll trigger them into running over there and getting it. And uh, so that's why weight size is, is critical there. But when you're using a straight tail worm, a 3 or a quarter ounce is usually the choice, especially if I'm fishing down below 10 foot deep. Are you normally Texas rigging? Not always. I, I say that with tongue in cheek because... You know, spinning tackle has come into play so much the last sure. year because of clear water and finesse fishing. And, uh, you know, when you've got to use six and eight pound line, I normally throw a little ball head. Right. Uh, you know, a sixteenth or a thirty second ounce, and uh, I'll, I'll go up to an eighth and a, and a three sixteenth occasionally. But usually when I go to heavier weights, I go to heavier line, and I also go back to the baitcaster. And then do you peg the, the sinker on there, or do you let it uh, just you know, move up and down without any restriction. Well, that's one of them kind of things that's kind of a choice, too. You know, Carolina rigging is very popular. And if you've ever thrown a Texas rig in a swimming pool, you'll notice the sinker always runs up the line. Mm-hmm. So what that does is when the sinker hits the bottom, the worm stops up there, usually 8 to 10, 12 inches behind that sinker, and it slow falls to the bottom like a dead stick. And if, if the fish are really on the bottom good, I don't peg it. But otherwise, just, if, they're, if they're kind of setting off the bottom, then... Yes, because that initial fall is so much, you know, you get so many strikes right at the very first part of your presentation, especially if you're casting where you're supposed to be casting to start with. And that's in the neighborhood that you think the fish are. Even when I'm fishing ledges, I like to hit real close to that ledge simply because if it falls by a bass, you're subject to catch that bass. And when, when bass are relating to anything, whether it's brush, a rock pile, a ledge, a stump, if you can precisely cast to that target, you're going to get more bite. And, and that's what separates the men from the boys there. If you throw 25, 30 yards past that stump and you fish your bait back to it, you might catch a fish if he's down there sitting on that stump feeding. But if he's in a foul mood and he's sitting up above that stump a couple foot, just kind of taking it easy and relaxing, he's not going to go down there and get your bait. So presentation and accuracy becomes paramount. That's exactly what we're boiling down to here is is always put out a buoy where you think your target zone is, and that way you know where you're casting and where your bait's sinking. And I learned this many years ago fishing wormholes in Toledo Bend because we had stumps. We had timber. And I, I finally, it, it hit me one time, you know, if you throw 10 foot to the right of that stump and let that thing free fall to the bottom, I catch a bass. If I throw 20 feet past that stump and fish it back through that same zone, I don't catch a fish. So I've carried that on through the years, and, and I take that presentation to every place I go. And if I'm, if I'm fishing offshore, I want that bait to sink very close to where I think the feeding table is. If something falls beside them, 
or it blows, you know, if they're sitting down there just nonchalant and all of a sudden a worm goes blowing by them, it excites them. And that split second of excitement is what gets them caught. They go go down with the worm, is it sinking? And you catch that fish. But if that's that's one way to look at this. And let me give you just another little bit of scenario here because I don't want people to think that that's the way you always fish. When bass are scattered, and in the spring, they're always scattered. They're never all in two foot, or they're never in three. They can be anywhere from two to seven. That's when you put on a Carolina rig and you work that whole zone. You know, you're hunting a fish then. You're hunting his area. You don't know where he's at. So, therefore, you cover more water with your worm than you do when you're hole fishing. When I'm hole fishing, I'm precisely fishing where the dinner table is because if they're not on that dinner table, usually you're not going to catch them anyway. So, you're really, you're taking, you're able to take the Carolina rig, basically apply the same worm that you would use in the other scenarios of, of target fishing like we had talked about, and you're using that as a search bait. Yes, it's a search bait. That's when you're hunting fish. Or maybe you're hunting a stump, or you're hunting a gravel bed, or you're hunting a rock pile out away from the bank. You don't know where it's at, so you take a Carolina rig, you make a long cast, you fish it all the way back to the boat. But when, you, you know, when you've got your fish nailed down to catch them good day in and day out, that's when you want to use the precise presentation and put your bait right where you know he is. Well, you know, Larry, and one of the things that I've realized about a Carolina rig, too, in that worm situation like you described, that allows you to really kind of pick apart the bottom and feel kind of what the bottom is composed of, you know, what's down there, is there a bunch of trash, those type of things. You're right. That's absolutely basically what it is. I mean, a Carolina rig, I catch a, a lot of fish on it. I keep one in the rod box at all times because that is really, other than going out there and spending three or $4,000 on a depth finder, that's really the only way you can feel what's down there on that bottom. You can feel shells, you can feel gravel, you can feel sand, and you can definitely tell when you're on a mucky bottom, which is always sorry. I mean, it's, you just, that's just a waste of time. Sure. That allows you to get on the trolling motor and just go right on around the point until you feel the hard spot, and when you find the hard spot, that's where you're going to catch your fish. Eliminating water, right? That's right. Now, you know, speaking of depth finders, uh, how big of a role does electronics play in, in your worm fishing? Well, the most important time is from late May, early June through the summer months. That's when it's really, really critical because everything then is based on depth change. And your fish relate to edges, they relate to drops, they relate to humps. Uh, so you, if you don't have good electronics, you're just out there kind of wasting time. You don't really know what's going on. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this last tournament as, a, as, a, as, a, as just an example here. We're over there at Fort Loudon, and we're out there in 17 to 19 foot just tearing these bass up on these drops. And these locals over there, 90% of them are bank fishermen. You know, either steep bank, flat bank, sloping bank. Uh, and, and I had several of them come up out there at that show and said, how on earth did you go out there and find fish in the middle of that lake? And I don't even fish out there. <laughs> you know, I said, well, that's just where bass go in the summertime. Most of them, you've always got some shallow fish. But the majority of the time, your fish are behind you, and they're out there on them drops. And, uh, you know, you just have to get out there and spend some time idling around and fishing and, and idling around, dropping a buoy and fishing. And uh, when you find two or three key holes, you may only find one spot a day. But, buddy, that spot can be good because you're liable to get 12 to 20 pounds out of it the first two hours in the morning. Sure. Well, you know, and a lot of times, too, Larry, those those fish are often those what we consider, I guess, offshore, away from a little bit further away from the bank. 
those are less pressured fish, just like you're in your comment about the locals down at the tournament. That's absolutely the key thing. When the pressure gets heavy and the spawn's over and the water temperature's hot, your bass go deep. And, and they go there for a lot of reasons. That's where the bait goes. That's where the current flows. You know, when they generate at the dam, it creates current, which makes the, the, the bait fish migrate up and down that edge, and the bass feed and get fat. Well, in our last closing minute, Larry, give us uh, kind of your, I guess, your, your top picks for uh, maybe anglers who are wanting to kind of bring in the worm fishing into the repertoire of skills. You know, what do they need to look for on a, maybe a new body of water or even on their local reservoir? Where would you ad- advise them to kind of go target? Well, I always, in, you know, especially summer months, I key on points. I mean, that's my main deal is points. It doesn't take long to determine whether the point needs to be in a bay, in a creek, or whether it needs to be a main lake point. And then the other key thing that they really want to figure out is what kind of structure does that point need around it? Because that's the whole thing that you want to know in bass fishing. So in other words, does it need rock or grass or timber? Yes, or do they have a major migration route to come to the bank, which is a creek channel, a roadbed, a river channel, and that's the way you learn to fish offshore. Well, Larry, I tell you what, you hit the nail on the head with this, and I thank you so much for your time. A lot of great information. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the Edge, and definitely uh, best of luck in winning that million dollars here. Well, keep that shaky worm on that Texas rig, and you'll always catch some bass. Thanks so much, Larry. All right, bye-bye. You know that Larry Nixon, what a great guy. And if you love to fish for worms, I think you really should have enjoyed that interview. Yeah, no question, Dan. And I think a lot of the times, uh, whether it be here on the edge uh, or other fishing programs, we love to talk about, you know, the latest, the greatest, you know, things and techniques that are in vogue. But there's something to be said about getting back to the basics. You know, there always seems to be lures and techniques that always work. And I think the plastic worm is one of those things. And, of course, you know, Larry's made a lot of money on that down through the years. Oh, absolutely. Well, like you said, you know, when we were talking about machines earlier in the show, I, I reserve that for people like like Gary Klein. I mean, the guy, you know, he might not finish first, but the guy's a machine. He can always catch fish. That's right. And Larry is definitely in that company. Oh, no question. You know, and, and he is known uh, not only for, you know, pounding the banks and, and power fishing, but also uh, moving offshore and, and targeting some of that deeper offshore structure, uh, kind of needling through it with a plastic worm, some of those bottom bouncing baits and fishing that deeper water and uh, i just got a lot out of that that interview yeah that was great all right folks we need to take another break when we come back we're going on the inside edge right here on the edge you've got the truck you've got the toys now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both it's the tow and stow receiver hitch by b&w You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. We are back on the edge, and joining us for this week's Inside Edge episode is Mike Webb. Mike, thanks so much for being part of the edge. Glad to be back, Aaron. You know, Mike, we've had you on here several times really talking about a, I guess a skill would be the best way to put that, uh, that you have perfected, won many tournaments uh, from, and also use daily throughout your guiding business, and that is the topic of deep fishing as well as using your electronics. And, you know, recently we entered into a joint project 
uh, through Bass Edge and yourself concerning that very topic of using the electronics and also deep fishing. Could you kind of set the stage and and really for the for the time that we have of kind of bringing our listeners up to speed on why every single angler out there needs to have this as part of their arsenal? Well, a lot of people are Im- intimidated uh, with their electronics. They don't know where to go once they get one. And there are so many fish out there in deep water that people are fishing on top of and casting to the bank. And if they just had a little bit of instruction on how to set up this graph, they could drop straight down like I do and catch these fish under the boat. Huge schools of fish roam around out there, and they're just sitting on them and and not able to catch them because they're afraid to mess with their graph. This DVD is going to make it very simple, and it's going to show us catching fish and what it looks like on the graph. And I think that's what intimidates a lot of people. They don't really know what they're looking at. And we're going to take that out of the question. You know, you you bring up an interesting topic, and that is intimidation. You know, I've got to tell you, Mike, even when I first started getting introduced into uh, even the use of electronics, you buy a graph, and the owner's manual is uh, as, as thick as most encyclopedias. And to sit down and spend the time to go through that to find out how you need to do all of these the things. Because, quite honestly, we're talking about, what, a half a dozen steps? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really a lot less intimidating than you might think. And just, we're going to go through that on the DVD and walk you through these very, very simple steps. And you're going to be able to look down and watch your bait. Watch the fish come up and eat your bait. And you'll be able to set the hook by sight and not feel. And it goes into, Mike, it takes it, like you said... Uh, of of knowing what to actually do, but you literally walk us through saying, okay, you need to go to the menu screen. Then you need to go down to, let's say in this case, maybe sensitivity or maybe your upper and lower limits. You tell us exactly what those settings are. You show us where to go to within the menu setting. We get to see the screenshot on there. Um, then you take it even a step further. We go out onto the water and you show us where we need to apply those, uh, you know, those techniques. Well, what we're going to base this DVD on is going to base it on the questions that I have received over the years in seminars around the country on deep fishing. So I've taken those questions, and we're going to apply them to this DVD. And, and it's exactly right. We're going to show you the settings, which are very simple, and then we're going to apply that on the water, showing the fish, showing the graph and the settings. And we're also going to show you the wrong settings and show you what happens if you do that. It's really not rocket science. It's really not. And uh, once you watch this, you're going to be able to go out, set your graph, and catch those deep fish. Another thing is, Mike, because I know probably what's going through some of the listeners' minds is, maybe I don't have a graph yet, or maybe the graph that I do have is not one of these, you know, high-tech units with the great big giant flat screen, you know, that that does all these different things. Um, Set the stage on what we're actually talking about with the type of electronics that you need to do this. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to tell you what you're going to need in a graph to do this. And anymore, you can go out and buy a graph, you know, for for a lot less money than you might think that you can see your bait with. It all, it, you know, it has to do with the power in the units, what it has to do with. And, you know, a lot of these electronics you can buy for three, or $400 and you'll be able to see your bait at 60, 80 foot deep and watch the fish eat them if your settings are right. So the, the thought that you have to go out and spend, you know, eight, nine hundred, a couple thousand dollars on a graph to be able to do this style of fishing is is really a myth. Oh, you no, you don't have to. Of course, you know, the one I have on my boat, uh, I make my living doing this. So, you know, I want uh, all the bells and whistles and all that, but you don't have to have that. And we're going to go into that. You know, we're going to show you uh, what you're going to have to have in a graph, like I said, to catch these deep fish. And you're going to be surprised at just 
how easy it is, how simple it is, and most importantly, what you've been missing for all these years underneath your boat. You know, and, and that's another great topic, Mike, you know, kind of now segueing into why that anglers want to make sure that they at least have exposure to this style of fishing, meaning the deep fishing. Um, you know, oftentimes I, I see you out there, of course, I do it myself. You know, we're fishing for these these bass that really, you know, people are skiing over top of and tubing and the jet skis and everything else. These fish are really not pressured. No, they're not. And they travel in huge schools because they're in a comfort zone and they all just swim around underneath the bait fish and off the points and things like that. And and that's another thing. This DVD is not just going to be electronics. It's going to be about how to catch these deep fish using your electronics. We're going to show you the baits, the drop shots, the spoons, things like that, and, and show you how to, the techniques that I use every single day on Table Rock to catch these deep fish. And I'll bet you that a lot of people have went over these fish and thought they were a tree or thought they were something else because they didn't quite have it tweaked right. And that's this is going to open their eyes up to that. You know, and, and I think just the, the opportunity to, A, to be exposed, but, you know, I've got to tell you, this is very, very addictive. The, the first taste that you have or the first exposure that you have and have success on this, you know, it's something that I can tell you that probably most anglers will be so fired up about that you're going to see a, a, a large increase of, of people wanting to do this. Sure, and, but you know, there's also, we're seeing a growth in this already. And there's going to be people out there right now that have fished deep and get frustrated because, you know, like maybe the fish will come up and look at the bait and leave. With this DVD, we're going to show you some tricks that uh, I think will, uh, you know, entice that fish to bite. So even if you fish this way a little bit, this is something you might look at because throughout the years, 30 years on this lake, you know, I've kind of figured out a few tricks that might help you bite, get the bite from those fish that are real lethargic or we call it kicking tires. You know, they'll come up, look at the bait and leave. And there's a few ways that you can entice them to bite. Well, Mike, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I can promise you uh, we'll be talking about this again more in the future. Uh, in the meantime, we are looking so forward to having that uh, the DVD coming out. And of course, you know, obviously we just finished that up last week. So uh, latest schedule is that that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Well, I'm, you know, this is something I'm real excited about. I can't wait for the people to see this. And this is not a stocked pond we're fishing. Actual fishing with the actual baits, the electronics, I think they're going to be excited about the way these fish can bite underneath the boat and something they haven't seen. Well, thank you so much, Mike, uh, for being, once again, part of the edge. And if you have uh, questions or emails to get to Mike, please go to uh, ProStaff at BassEdge.com. Get Mike an email, and uh, we'll take it from there. Mike, until next time. Good luck. I appreciate it, Aaron. I'm going to go fishing now. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge. Aaron Martin Outdoors, Dan here. And I tell you, Aaron, Mike just did a wonderful job, and he really knows electronics. Yeah, you know, and the, and the funny thing is, Dan, that we just literally finished filming this thing last week, and uh, we've already pre-sold 
numerous copies of this, but the, the main thing that I want our listeners to understand is, because I can remember when I first got into to fishing, uh, we have these wonderful pieces of electronics, you know, that does all these different things. And you look at the owner's manual and, you know, it's several hundred pages thick. But I just wanted a system to say, okay, how can I go through and program this for what I need? And right. Mike specializes, you know, through his guiding and then also his regional competition. Uh, that's how he makes his living is by targeting fish that's way out offshore. And he makes it easy. He removes all the intimidation from that. Um, and, and when we set out with this project, that's why we went through and basically said, okay, you know, hit your menu button twice, go to here, set your sensitivity at this, set your gray line at this. And then we took it a step farther. We actually, once we programmed the electronics and showed you know, individuals and anglers how to do that, we went to the water, and then he gave us kind of a rundown of what to look for on the water, showed us specifically on the graph you know, to where you can see your bait, your swivel, and your weight. You can see the fish coming up to it. And uh, all in all, I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic project. Yeah, absolutely. And don't be afraid of deep water. Deep fishing with electronics really can help you become a better uh, better fisherman. And you know what? Well, if you got this and you know how to use it, it's going to help you at least 10 times. Well, and, and that's a great point, Dan, because a lot of times, you know, we're so conditioned as anglers that we have to be in relation to the bank, to where we're a cast away from the bank. And a lot of times, the, you know, the shallow fishing is exciting and it's good to be there. But if you can add this technique to your arsenal and have confidence in it, you know, you're going to be out there fishing for really um, fish that are not pressured by other anglers that, you know, people are running over top of with their, their ski boats and their speed boats and everything else. And, and you're, you're going to be out there by yourself. And I've often seen that when I pull up on a, and you know what to look for, you're looking for schools of bait fish, you know, that have uh, fish holding underneath them. You can literally catch uh, five uh, keeper bass, nice-sized bass, in five drops and by knowing how to look at your electronics. And I know it's, it's you know, really taking my fishing to another level. Well, good job, Mike, and I'm looking forward to seeing that DVD. I think that sounds really neat because I know when I look at electronics, I get intimidated myself and, Shoot, it took me a year just to figure out my GPS for hunting. Right. So everyone should have that in their collection. Sure. That'd be like having Mike right there with you. That, exactly. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, it has no shelf life. There you go. That, well, that's exciting. Hey, folks, don't forget to check out the latest Bass Edge merchandise. You can see Aaron modeling that little pink Mrs. T for you. How'd you fit in that? Uh, you know, I just rolled up the sleeves and uh, did a kind of a tuck under, you know, so I could show <laughs> off my... Six-pack he's stomach. Not, he's not wearing it. I'm just eating. You know, actually, folks, Aaron's the boss of this whole thing. See? Yeah. And, and I work for Aaron. So w this is a great job because where else can you get to tease your boss all the time? That's I, right. I love my job. Don't believe a word he says. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> hey, don't forget to sign up for the new uh, e-newsletter. Uh, e and you really need to do that. That way you can get flash information, uh, you know, certain tournament information coming up. You have to be on that newsletter, folks. It'll help really make you a better fisherman on the water. Don't forget, on the prize giveaways, please include your shipping information. I know we're not, we've been harping on this, and we don't mean to be, but if we read your question or we use your stuff, we want to send you a thank you gift, and we've got to have your information for that. And speaking of questions, uh, we actually have a, a new question in this week from Ernie all the way up in Jamesville, New York. Yeah, tell him what he wants to know. He wants to know, I would like to know if it hurts the conditions of lures and soft baits by keeping them in the trunk of my car. And this is the... This is the important thing to, to consider here. I keep my tackle box in the trunk most of the time in case I go fishing after work instead of going back home to get my rods and tackle, which is very important just from a time factor, but also the fact that we're you know paying 
4 to $5 a gallon in gas. But the temperature okay. is, in the past few days has been in the lower 90s and down in the mid-70s to low 80s at night. Thanks, Ernie. Yeah, you know what? I don't know about the uh, the as far as the uh, lures and stuff, Aaron, but on the soft pla- the plastics and that, right? That's got to affect them. Well, it it does, and you know, I I one of the things that I found prior to uh, the way that I used to store them, which was in the uh, the plastic you know style tackle box, kind of like the Plano boxes, mm-hmm. is that um, under extreme heat conditions, it can cause the colors to bleed. Even if you have those dividers, you know, placed in there, there's still a little space underneath. And you start heating that up, and, you know, those baits are actually packaged in, like, an oil uh, right. to kind of protect them. And so that oil starts getting really hot, and then that oil bleeds over to the next compartment, and guess what? You know, your uh, red shad worms now have a, a blue tint to them or whatever color they happen to have next to them. But uh, e- And that's even if they're not exposed, you know, directly uh, to sunlight, such as in the trunk of the car or even under the storage areas, uh, lids of your boat. So, well, I mean, think about it, Aaron. If your car, if it's 85, 80, 85 degrees out there, the inside of your car is 90 to 100. Exactly, exactly, right. with no air. So you can right. imagine, you know, what that feels like. And and quite honestly, Dan, I mean, he brings up a good point. But the only fail-safe, you know, system that I've come up with is uh, actually leaving the plastic baits, you know, in the original. Uh, bags of which they come in, you know, and they're sealed. They're kind of like a Ziploc. They have that, that sealed system uh, at the top of them. But then using the, the Cook's Tackle system uh, to store the baits uh, in this way, really no bleeding takes place, and, and they're sealed, preventing evaporation of that oil or that oil, you know, transferring over into the other packages. And I know it's, it's probably not feasible. You know, you're not going to go and mount a, a Cook's Tackle system uh, in the trunk of your car. But um, one of the things that I would suggest is they come with, like, these shower rings, uh, these rings that you can actually put several bags through the, the uh, peg eye of, of the bag, and you can hook, you know, probably almost a dozen bags on those rings, and that'll keep them from getting, you know, shoved all over the trunk of your car, keeps them together, keeps them very well organized, but then you don't have to worry about, um, you know, about, about any damage taking place, uh, you know, to the baits themselves. Yeah, well, thank you, Ernie. Great question. and always nice to hear from everybody. We want you to send in a question as well, folks. ProStaff at BassEdge.com. It will be answered on the web. Some will be answered on the podcast. Some on the on the newsletter. So ProStaff at BassEdge.com. Aaron, what's up next week? Hey, we got a great show lined up. A uh, couple of surprises. I'm not going to announce it just yet because I want to make sure that it's actually going to happen, but I can promise you it will be a great show. All right. Well, folks, we'll start Aaron Martin. This is Outdoors Dan. We will see you next week on Bass Edge TV and right here next week on The X. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.